Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. I am Megan Brown. And I'm TC Brown. And I'm Isaac. And we're so glad that you've set aside some time to hang out with us today. In each episode of this podcast, it is our goal to share with you, as parents, what we are learning while working with and ministering to teenagers at Three Circle Church. We want to come alongside you as the number one disciple maker in your teen's life and help to equip you to raise kids who love God, love others, and love the church. Merry Christmas, Parent University friends. We have been learning so much this month about generosity, and today we have a special treat for you. Here with us on the Parent University podcast, we have the lead pastor of The Well, Pastor Chris Brown. He's with us via video chat, voice call, technology, all the things. So we've got him connected with us today. But before we go on, we have to just do a little brag sheet on Pastor Chris so you guys know a little bit about him because he's not just an ordinary guy. So get ready. Buckle up. Here it goes. All right. This is like the most embarrassing part, Pastor Chris. So just hold on. Pastor Chris brings over 20 years of ministry and financial experience to the table. He's worked alongside Dave Ramsey for years as a nationally syndicated radio host for Life, Money, and Hope. He has been featured on national media outlets such as Fox and Friends, but most importantly, he passionately loves the local church and has served as a campus pastor at Elevation Church, an executive and chief financial officer at Potential Church, and now leads the well in Columbia, Tennessee. He and his wife have three awesome kids, and they run a pretty cool farm. And this might be the best of all. He will be our Uprise 2024 speaker, which is quite the brag, if you ask me. So we thought he might know just a little bit about raising kids and money and generosity. But honestly, TC and I have had the privilege to know and work alongside Chris and his wife, Holly. And we personally have just loved you guys and your heart for local church, your leadership, and most importantly, how you've loved and led your family. So here we are. Thank you so much for being here today, Pastor Chris. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, an, I'm honored by uh, being on here, but also honored to be with you guys in January. So it'll be fun. We're looking forward to it for sure. So all our students, they're pumped. We're pumped. Um, but we'll go ahead and jump in since we're right here on the Parent University podcast. And this month, we've been talking about how how do we raise generous kids? How do we make this a value in our home? How does it become something we talk about, act out, live out? And so, Pastor Chris, what are some things that you and Holly, you guys have raised, are raising three pretty awesome kids. Um, so what are some things that you have done in your home that have just helped generosity become something that you are about in the Brown household? Yeah, as you ask that question, I, for me, I don't, I don't even, I don't even just hear generous. Uh, I want to raise generous um, kids. I, what I hear is like happy and joyful. And John ten ten says that um, he came to give us life and life to the full, life abundantly. And I'm, I'm um, convinced that that life to the full, life abundantly, is a life of generosity which then spurs on the joy and the peace and the comfort and the contentment and all the things that, that bring joy. So uh, what, what's worked for us, I, I, you know, obviously more is caught than taught. So I would just tell every parent listening in that, that I would pause in the teaching. I, would, I probably wouldn't teach anything until they actually see you modeling it. 
I, I think you actually create frustrated kids, especially if they get more cognitive in their middle school, high school years, when they see, when they hear things that are not backed up with actions. Hmm. So, uh, if more is cotton than taught, that's a principle that we would all agree on. Then it's exposing them to more. It's involving them in the process. And if there are financial tensions, and we're talking about all sorts, all sorts of generosity, not just financial, but when it comes to financial. Bring them in the process. Talk about the tensions. Say, you know what? We're really tight right now, but you model it. Bring them in on the maybe, you know, tithing um, uh, process. Bring them in on the giving process. If if mom and dad get together, you know, the first of the month and talk about their budgeting and they say, hey, we're going to put it, put aside a 50 bucks or $200 or whatever it may be uh, to bless people in the, in the, in the stores. And we're going to pre-plan our generosity. That's awesome. It just shows an intentionality, not a, not a reactionary thing, but we're actually planning generosity because we know that, uh, it's a part of who we are. Part of who we are is important. If it's, it's part of like your DNA, we are going to be generous people. Uh, that's who we are. Like in the Brown household, that's who we are. The Browns are generous. Um, so bringing them in the process, you know, the budgeting table, obviously appropriateness, you know, yeah, they don't need to know all the micro details of your interest rate on your, on your car loan. But I think, I think getting them involved is great. Um, and then share the results when you are generous, how God blesses. We know God does. It's not always financial, but he does bless. It's yeah. straight up scripture. Uh, when you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. And so it, it's in there. So uh, ha- share that. Hey, we really feel like we stretched ourselves in this giving campaign, or we stretched ourselves and and giving to a sister in law. Mm-hmm. And man, next thing we know, two months later, he blessed us with X, Y, and Z. And um, you know, I, I feel like um, you got to show those results. Morris caught the tot. And I think you know Hebrews six twelve talks about we need to have a faith that is worth imitating. And so you got to ask yourself: Is my faith? lived out when it comes to generosity with my time, my energy, my influence, um, even finances, is it worth imitating or is it not? Yeah, we, we've realized on these parent university podcasts, we were like, actually more of this is about us than it is about the kids, probably about us living it out and us doing it and our kids being able to see that. So TC, you go ahead with the next question. Yeah. So Chris, I can remember back, gosh, this might be 11 years ago, you may have no recollection of this, but I can remember sitting in a staff meeting uh, where you were sharing a moment of one of your kids, I don't know which one it was, gave either some or all of his or her allowance money at church, a church function or something, and you were, you know, overwhelmingly, it just blessed you incredibly, you know, tears were involved, and I remember that story moving me. And so I guess I'm getting back to the more is caught is taught. Like that was a, an isolated circumstance, which it was so wonderful. And, and, and gosh, I would, I would say, honestly, I hope my kids see that. I think the response that you gave was, uh, you know, your, your child said, I want to be generous because that's what you do. That's the way I see daddy be generous at church. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. So because generosity is 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 really a broad term, can you help us and our listeners define what generosity is and what it isn't? Yeah, I think a lot of times when we give out of our surplus, we call that generosity because there was a transaction. You had something and now someone else has that thing. 
and you gave it up. I, I really struggle with when you're giving out of your surplus. So you're really not giving up much. You know, you have everything that you need and most of what you want and you give up a little bit. It's like, yeah, is it generosity? That's just kind of a stretch. So for me, I think if you're going to give up something, if you're going to, okay, I have an afternoon to do whatever I want. I could go play golf or I could, um, whatever your hobby happens to be, but I'm going to, I'm actually going to like not play golf with my buddies and I'm going to go get in my kid's world. Mm. And that, yeah. that's generosity. You know, I, I think I could buy a boat, but I'm not, I'm going to give to the giving campaign or whatever. I, I could, I think it's whenever you sacrifice something and you give of something. And, and this may not be a surprise to most of our parents listening in, but you know, tithing and the difference between tithing and, um, and uh, above and beyond offerings. That that's another example of what's generosity and what's not. I, mm. uh, tithing is just returning back. It's obedience. It's just it's the it's the um, the ba- it's like putting on your shoes in the morning when you leave the house. It's just basics. It's what we do. Uh, it, you don't start to get into generosity until you go above that um, and you start giving above and beyond the tithe. So um, so that's how how I see it. I also see it whenever you're not going to get anything in return. Oh, that's huge. Uh, I think we see, yeah, we see a lot of our um, generous heart whenever we bless somebody who can't bless us back. Mm. Um, when, like uh, a lot of times we, there's unintentional, and I stress that I'm not casting shade or anything for, on any of us. I'm not, this is definitely the heartbeat of this. Uh, if I know Megan and TC, like I know, I, I know them. There's no shame or condemnation in this podcast at all. But I think unintentionally, sometimes we give when there is an intangible return somehow mm-hmm. there's a, you get more influence because you gave to that nonprofit or you get more respect from somebody. Or I think real generosity, when we get that next level is when we're blessing people that can't bless us back. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Like we, as we talk about it with our kids, like in our home, our little ones, it's interesting because our little boy right now, he's eight, but he's like, okay, so you know, if I do this, then I'll get this, you know, and even, even like tithing at church. And we're like, well, it's such an interesting thing to navigate just in the mind of a child because he's like, no, I'll bring my tithe because God's going to bless me. You know what I mean? And so it's like this idea mm-hmm. of now for us, it's thinking through, okay, now, now, like you're saying, Pastor Chris, like, what can we do that shows him that we're going to be generous? Even maybe they don't know it, someone who doesn't know it or someone who cannot give back to us. And so that's kind of, it's funny that you're saying that because that's kind of where we are right now. It's like, yeah, yes, it's amazing that you're doing these things that are obedience, right? But now let's, let's look at how to truly, you know, give that kid in your class something and and not expect something in return or give him your snack, even though he doesn't have a snack (laughs) to trade you back, you know, just little (laughs) stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah, it's true. I yeah. I kind of feel like that's uh that could be like a generosity killer as well, like expecting something in return. So kind of jumping on like generosity killers, Pastor Chris, like what have you seen, like maybe even in, in your own home or just in the world in general? I know right right now, like the big push, the big culture push is like just get all the stacks, right? Get it all, like as much as you can, especially like, I mean, what, like whether it be financial or influential uh, stacks, quotations, like what, how, like what are some of those generosity killers that you've seen? You know, I think inside the, the psyche of a human, and this is believers and non-believers, I think if you, uh, each and every one of us want to add value, 
we want to feel valuable. We want to, we want to be a value add to an organization or a group of friends. We have that in us. Like, and here's an example. If you're watching the news, these feel good stories of a hero and they say, man, this guy did something heroic and was generous with his times and went, went back into the fire and grabbed some kids. Didn't have to, you know, that's the real extreme example, but everybody wants to be that. So why don't we? Why isn't there more people that are acting in generosity? Mm. And why is it all about getting and consuming instead of contributing? Mm. Um, and that is lack of margin. They don't have it. People would give more if they had it. And the reason why they don't have it is because they've already consumed. And so in America, I think that latest that I saw was the average American is spending $1.38 for every $1 that they earn. So you just don't have it. So when everybody is uh, 88% of Americans are either living paycheck to paycheck or worse. And so every dollar that comes into your hand has an obligation to the past. So therefore it has no opportunity for the future. Mm. Goodness. Mm -hmm. So if it's already obligated, you don't have it. So the biggest generosity killer is that we've already spent. We have, we're living with no margin. There's no, no gap between what we bring in and what we spend. It's actually the, there's a gap between we have, we spend more than we bring in. Mm. So that, that by far the number one killer. Number two is, especially in America, is there is a negative view on work that somehow when you start working 41, 42, 43 hours a week, you're now overworked. And like, how dare I? I need my personal space. I need to take care of myself. <laughs> personal care. Oh my goodness. I am so stressed to the max. And uh, there's a negative view on work. But if, if you go back to ancient Jewish culture, work was worship. It yeah. was a way where you added value to society. And then society showed their appreciation by giving you pieces of paper with president's faces on them. And then you got this things called money so that you were resourced to be a conduit of generosity, not a reservoir, not a hoarder, but you now were resourced for you to make a difference. And I think nowadays it's like hour 41 into our work week. Now it's cutting into my selfishness rather than I'm gathering money tools so that I could be a kingdom man or a kingdom woman to be able to be a conduit of all these resources and make a difference. That's really good. Yeah, that's so good. Wow. So this is just kind of like what you're saying. I just have a question personally. Uh, what when you with your kids, your teenagers? So maybe they have a job or an allowance or whatever that looks like in your house. How have you like? Is this a sit down conversation that you and Holly have and say, okay, now you have this money coming in? You know, you know, we've all heard the the spend, save, give type thing. Is that something that you guys do? Do y'all teach them like, hey, from the beginning, if you get 10 bucks, we're going to put whatever, you know, 12, we're going to put three in here, three in here, and three in here. Like what you're in your spin jar, in your save jar, in your give jar. Like how have you implemented that in your home to, to protect them from that spending a dollar 38 on the dollar that they've earned? How, how are y'all preparing them, I guess, for the big world out there right now? Yeah, great question. Uh, I think obviously here we got we got parents listening in with with kids of all ages. So, you know, age appropriate on on this answer. But I think like you're saying, sometimes when they're really young, the give, save, spend, you know, is great because you're talking about priorities. So you want to give 10%, put that in one little piggy bank. 
20% into savings. That's another piggy bank, 70% into, into spending. And, and you're really just kind of doing that really basic. As they get older, you're going to make that a little bit bigger. I do, I'm a firm believer that belief, and I wish I had like a, a way to visually uh, demonstrate this to the listener right now, but uh, if you guys are kind of listening and kind of picture this with me, you've got the word belief, then you've got an arrow that leads to actions, then you have an arrow that leads to results. A lot of times we um, go straight to the actions without going to the belief system. So a long way to answer your question is we teach a belief system. We teach a core belief system that that money is not ours, Mm -hmm. that the money is God's, and we get to manage for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so the question is, whenever it comes to a transaction, whenever it comes to a lack of margin, whenever it comes to spending $1.38 for every dollar that you earned, all those kind of things, we go back to the belief system. So based on what you believe, do you feel like that decision, do you think that that transaction honors God? Or do you think that's wise stewardship? Do you think that's wise management for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Or do you think that was probably a little bit irresponsible? So we go back to the belief system and then we, I ask the questions, leadership by asking questions. And man, all the way down to like when they were 11, they could answer these questions. Mm-hmm. So it's unfortunate that us at 40, 50, and 60 years old can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. But 11-year-olds can go, yeah, that was actually really unwise. Uh, so <laughs> I think that's uh, the one thing we do is we, uh, we just ask questions. And then, you know, the scripture that we've, we've um, you know, marinated in uh, with Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, meaning everything is God's, not ours. First Corinthians chapter four, verse two, that says those who are called to be managers, that's all of us, must prove faithful. What does that look like? And so we, we just, we, we marinate in these uh, passages. Luke 14, 28 says, who in the world would ever build a tower and not sit down first and count the cost? Talking about budgeting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, see what else there is. There's, um, of course, where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. That's all budgeting stuff. Mm-hmm. You get into Proverbs 22, 7, the borrowers enslaved to the lender. So you teach about not being in debt. Proverbs 21, 20 says, in the house of the wise is choice food and oil, but fools gulp it all down. That means in today's world, that means in the house of the wise, there's stacks. <laughs> in the house of the wise, <laughs> there is money on hand, there's cash, mm-hmm. um, and fools spend $1.38 for every $1 mm-hmm. that they earn. Talking about investing, Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Um, and then when it comes to generosity, Proverbs eleven twenty five, the generous will prosper. And then it goes on to say, those who refresh others themselves are refreshed. Mm-hmm. And so like, I just teach those things to my kids. It's just part of our culture. It's like, we will be good stewards in the brown house. Mm-hmm. It's just who we are. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if, if we believe scripture is true, then we're going to act on it. And then we're going to see the results of God's faithfulness, right? And so it's just this simple, like, yeah, we believe that. We believe that this is what is true, you know. And so I think that's an awesome, just an awesome way to think about it, like a good a good lens to think through. So, yeah. So Pastor Chris, we uh, asked a lot of our parents who listen in and uh, are just wanting to dive into this topic of generosity and ask them for questions. And uh, one that really stuck out to us, we just want to ask you this one question: is uh, they asked, how do you draw kids into the idea of giving and how cool it really is? And then they said, when the world is constantly pumping the me- message of getting more. 
Yeah, there's a uh, saying by Winston Churchill. I know you guys have ever heard it before, but it says, you make a living by what you get. You make a life by what you give. And so I, 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 for me, I want to make sure that's a mantra in our house. And so uh, we talk about that quite a bit about, do you want to make a bunch of stuff or do you really want to live life? And, and, and to break that down a little bit more practical for our parents is I'll ask the question, when they receive something, especially at Christmas time, man, especially at Christmas time, um, when you receive something, how'd that feel? And they'll say, good. It was awesome. It was great. It was a thrill, whatever. They use different language. But then when they give something, like when they, like, uh, for instance, I've got right now a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 19, 17, and 15. And I already know some of the gifts they bought for each other. They are so giddy about these $200 gifts for each other. That's pretty extreme for teenagers. Mm -hmm. They cannot wait to give it to them. They could care less about what they're getting. And that's true because Acts 20 talks about it. We're more blessed to give than to receive. And so I'll ask them the question, how does that feel? How does it feel when you give and they light up like the 4th of July? And how does it feel when you get? And gets like a surface level happy, but giving is like an internal deep joy. But I try to draw attention. What is it you're feeling in this moment? And that right there, if you can capture that in the moment of how good it feels to give versus to, to receive, then you can kind of you can kind of push away that entitlement and uh, you can foster a little bit more generosity. So I, I like to point them back to, to how it feels. And then, of course, any of the exposure to Scripture. Um, right now, uh, every parent listening in is going to say a big amen right now. If we could hear them, it'd be, it'd be like the <laughs> choir from heaven. <laughs> but uh, there, there is a, a selective hearing when it comes to hearing your own parents talk. <laughs> you could give tons of wisdom. And they're just like, blah, 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 blah. They just won't even listen because it's a familiar voice. It's the law of familiarity. So if you can expose them to scripture, and there's even a little bit of selective hearing there because that's all those old people in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But if you can get some mentors, some, some you know who they look up to. It's somebody about, 50, about I don't know, five years older than them, three years older than them, the cool kids on the block, the ones that dress real cool, whatever it is that gets them. And you can get them to say everything you're saying. That's so there's, true. There's power in a, a third-party voice. Just, just hire people. Hey, can you say this to my kid on Thursday? Yes. <laughs> and just hire them. <laughs> just give them $500, you know, whatever it is. But I'm telling you, there's power. We've got mentors all over this church that are all like pouring into my kids. And thank God I haven't had to pay them, but I would. <laughs> I would pay them to—, to I, they just won't listen to me. Mm-hmm. They'll say, and I, they'll say like, man, can you believe what they told me is brilliant? I'm like, I've been telling you that for five years, you yes. punk. Yes. We say the same thing in student ministry. Just because you're oh coming for Uprise, this is like yes. the perfect opportunity. We're like, they'll be like, I promise you, when you leave, they're going to be like, oh, Pastor Chris told us if we read our Bible every day, that we're yes. going gonna to learn more. We're like, we've been saying that for 10 years to yes. you. So we're so, exactly. we're so grateful you're coming. We're also just awaiting this this gut shot. Like so grateful you guys listen. Yeah, just you know give, just is. give me a list of the bullet points you want me to cover. Yeah, <laughs> so true. We um, this is a cool. Just the other day, I was telling TC I was riding in the car uh, with Hud, and he he had just gotten like his first gift at school or whatever. And he's a he's a things kid. He's our oldest child, um, and he was just talking about. He was just thinking, you know, sometimes you'll just be like in the backseat just thinking. And he all of a sudden he's like, Mama, you know, 
He said, that gift, it was pretty fun. He's like, but now it's just like, I just, I just want another one. And I just want another one. And I was like, yes, this is it. Like, it's so, fle-. and I'm like, I'm like, you know, trying to talk to an eight-year-old about how get, getting things is just fleeting. It's like when we get, and of course, by that time, he's like thinking about Charizard and Pokemon. But, but I was like, he, you know, like he, it's like this thing in him that he's starting to get and understand. So I was like, oh, finally we're getting somewhere. Like it's, it's a little, you know just chipping away at the old heart in there. But it's such a natural thing, even like as a human, the idea, Pastor Chris, that you were talking about, just that we, it, it is better for us to give. Like it, like the things I remember even my childhood were things where my parents did extravagant things for other people. Like I could tell you Christmas presents or things like that, but I can also remember like delivering dinner to this family who we knew didn't have anything. And my dad was like, go ring the doorbell and we're going to run away. Like they won't know who it was. And I, it is like etched in my mind, you know, as just a cool memory or like a Christmas memory. Um, so anyway, I, I totally can see where that, you know, can even in teenagers play out in their, in their life. So. Yeah. That, uh, that contentment piece that you're talking about, you know, the lack of contentment, I think just as parents, I'm talking to myself too, be careful what we celebrate. So if we're always celebrating like, Oh, you're so beautiful. You're so good looking. You're so cute. You're, you're, you're what you're doing is you're celebrating over celebrating vanity versus character. So just, <clears throat> just be careful. You're always, I mean, it's obviously great to tell somebody she's good looking or whatever, whatever. That's fine. You're, oh, you're so pretty. But if you're always <laughs> saying how pretty you are and you're saying that 10 times for every one time of like, I just love your heart. I just love how tender you are. I love how spiritually mm-hmm. sensitive you are. Well, if you're doing 10 to one, you're teaching vanity. Same thing is true mm-hmm. with uh, entitlement versus uh, of, of, of uh, giving too much power to things. Oh my gosh, I want that car. Oh my gosh, I want that house. Oh my gosh, I want that boat. If we're always talking about things, we're raising up a thing generation that's going to be all about things. Or, man, I had the most amazing 90-minute conversation with no phones, looking somebody in the eye, and it was incredible. And you just, what comes out of our mouths, they're going to be, they're going to 10x it. So we got to be careful. Same thing with parenting with on behavior. If we're like, you're such a good boy, you're such a good boy, you're such a good boy. It's all about behavior. And I'm like, man, hey, I just really love the heart behind that behavior. I love the way, how did that make you feel? And so therefore you're shaping a heart, not shaping a well-behaved child. You're shaping a godly adult. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. So just, we got to be careful of our verbiage. We won't get it right overnight, but uh, I think we just got to be careful of what we're unintentionally shaping. Um and we could be shaping entitlement on accident. Mm. Yeah, it's a good word. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, <clears throat> Chris, about uh, you know you can be generous not just with your your finances, your money. Uh, how would you you and Holly you know make the distinction with being generous with uh, with anything else, your time, your talents? Uh, how do you guys do this? How do you model it? Uh, and and I guess twofold, do you see your kids picking that up and watching you guys as they catch this? Yeah, I mean, this one. Uh, some some people would say we're out of balance, but I uh, and, and let me explain that. I I always go back to Matthew twenty five fourteen through thirty, the parable of the talents, the parable of the bags of gold, and um, I factor all of my decisions based on that. So let's take time, for instance. He's given me a certain amount of time. He's given me um, uh, eighty six thousand four hundred seconds a day. So think about that. Uh, you have a bank account. You've been given $86,400 bills in that account every single morning when you wake up. At 12.01 a.m., you get a deposit for $86,400, $1 bills. 
and you spend those $1 bills all day long. And then they're gone every day and you get a new deposit at 12.01 a.m. every day. Well, those are seconds. How do you spend those for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? And then when you look on your phone and you've got eight hours on your phone, this I'm not talking to kids, I'm talking to parents, six to eight uh-huh. hours on your phone uh-huh. and you've got three hours of Netflix, you just got to be, we got to ask ourselves how, so for me, I'm always, and I'm a little bit hard on myself, I'm just asking myself in a given week, I have 168 hours a week, how much of those hours were dedicated to the kingdom mm-hmm. and how many of those hours are dedicated towards me? And it's not a shame thing. And I'm not being extreme here. I'm not being idealistic. I promise you, I'm not like everyone needs to spend 168 hours in the kingdom and not sleep. <laughs> I'm not being extreme here. But I just think- No, it's perspective. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody just needs to ask themselves, okay, shoot, he's given me 168 hours a week and I can barely get to church twice a month. Like, what am I modeling? What I'm modeling is 167 mm. hours a week are about me and one hour is for God. Just, and I know that's an extreme example, but for me, I, I just want to always be teaching. Um, we're a kingdom. Our, our vision statement for our family is on earth as it is in heaven. We're all about the kingdom. It has nothing to do with me being a pastor. I was like this when I was a, a lay person. I was a, a real estate agent in, in the church. I'm like, I will be a real estate agent for the kingdom. And so I, I, that's why I went back to that when I told you earlier about not appreciation for work. If you really do believe that work is worship, whatever you're doing, whatever widget you're creating, you are trying to be God in that environment. So therefore, now you're stewarding that time, trying to point people toward the kingdom with the way that you behave, the way that you uh, handle conflict, the way that you perceive situations, the way that you react, your attitude, um, all, all those kind of things. So anyway, that's that's a long-winded answer. but that, that, No, I love no, that. No, that's so Again, on. all this goes back to that formula, belief. Leads to action, mm-hmm. leads to results. I can tell them, okay, now be a good boy. Right now in this scenario, you're supposed to give 20 minutes of your time for devotional. That's very micro. But if I can win the macro war on their brain and their mind and their belief system, I never have to teach devotional time. I got a 15-year-old that wakes up at so 6 a.m. every morning and she does devotions without mom and dad with a mentor. I never ask her. I just hear her feet going upstairs and getting ready and laying down at 6 a.m. And, and, and having her devotions with her mentor. I, we didn't tell her to do that, but she's got a belief system of saying, this is the way I want to start my day. Roll over and say, Holy Spirit, friend, you are my friend. Walk me through this day. And so I don't, I'm getting um, too passionate. No, that's super, super helpful because that's what sticks, right? Like she can take that into college. She can take that into a marriage. When, you know, like that's the faith, the belief system that actually sticks. That's awesome. I love it. I love thinking about it as a stewardship. Like, like to me, it sounds like the idea of generosity is actually just being faithful. more about stewardship and yeah. the which allows you to be generous than anything else. So, super cool, Pastor Chris. We have a couple rapid fire questions, so maybe just uh, some answers, thirty seconds or less. And so, we just have a couple questions. So, you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. Here, here's the first one. When did you get your kids a bank account? Um, <clears throat> not a solid number, but around age 15. That's when I felt like they were responsible enough to handle it uh, without my own. I still oversighted a little bit. But 15. <laughs> right. Did you give your kids an allowance? Why or why not? That's a huge heck no. Don't believe in allowance whatsoever. <laughs> yes. 
Why? Why? Can I ask you why? What? What's your? Uh, my thirty-second answer is: I believe in commission, not allowance. You mean you have to earn money? So even as early as five, you're doing some kind of age-appropriate chore, and it very well could be bring this towel from one room to the other. You have now <laughs> earned it. I, I want them to. I want them to to have this um, concept in their mind: this cause and effect of I added value. I've got appreciation shown to me, but free money. That's not the way the world works. At no point should a child be getting free money. Love it. I love that. (laughs) All right. So when should kids start working? Uh, Right, right around four or five years old. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. In your home. And I, and I I just think, I just think it's age appropriate. It's whatever they could do, whatever uh, stretches them a little bit. So if it's a four or five year old, give them six year old jobs. And allow them to fail. It's a fail-safe oh, environment. That's great. Let let them let them fail. That's too tough for me. I'm I'm not six. I'm four or five. Stretch them, um, and then you teach them age appropriate. But they should they should have it ingrained in their belief system. I am going to add value to this home. I'm not going to consume. I'm going to add value. And as they get older, they'll take pride in the fact they're adding more value as they grow. Yeah. Okay. So last one. So if a teenager is working. Should they tithe? For sure. Yeah, I, think, I was going to say, I think we know the answer to that <laughs> yeah, one. You knew, you knew where I was going with that one. But I will add, you know, because the stats show that 50% of the parents listening and don't tithe, actually probably more than that. Here's the deal. The, the tithing is for us. It's not something that God wants from us. We have to understand that we get to tithe. We don't have to tithe. And uh, there's way too many promises in the scripture. When we're faithful with this, what we're doing is we're putting him first. We're trusting him that he is the provider. And uh, we're saying, hey, we're not worshiping the provision. We're worshiping the provider. And we're doing it on purpose. And uh, so, yes, if they can learn that early, it's a lot easier to write $3 checks than $3,000 checks. Mm-hmm. I love it. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, Chris, this next one's a little long-winded, so I'm going to do my best to explain it uh, succinctly. Um, so this ger- this generation that that we are... We have the privilege to minister to and with. They are so, so cause-driven. Um, maybe more cause-driven about what's going on, going on across the world than they are, let's say, uh, than their next-door neighbor. And so just things that we've picked up, we see where they would rather post about something, you know, that is just going on overseas, whatever it is, and they would rather be about that, posting about that, following a movement rather than, than give money or their time or effort, again, with the people that are, you know, within their proximity, within reach. How, or, how can parents in, encourage kids to not just talk about it, but be about it? So, you know, it's, it's, it's I'm not saying it's wrong to, to be mindful of what is going on in the world, but it starts at home, you know? So I, I guess long, long, long question here. Like, how do you balance those two things for a teenager that is clearly feeling and probably expressing frustration, pain, empathy, but they don't know how to contain it or channel it. Yeah. I mean, I think that's definitely a discussion. That's not an easy one whatsoever. You know, that's a, um, you've got a, um, uh, in this scenario, you've got to separate the difference between, I want to be part of a movement that is part of my social sphere that makes me feel included into something. It gives me a rally, uh, a crusade to be part of. And 
the, the difference between that, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that in itself, but the difference between that and I want to do something for the, for the Lord. Um, and I want to be part of eternal impact. Um, the, the whole posting about it, you know, that's going to be a part of that generation regardless. But what I would like to focus in on is the doing it piece. Um, for me, when we, I'm a, again, I'm going to go back to stewardship because it's my belief system. It literally is at the core of who I am. That's why I'm on earth is to steward what he's given me. So I'm always going to go back to that. This is not a cliche. Stewardship is not some little cute phrase. It's actually not cute at all. It's actually still a stale, cool, a stale <laughs> church world word. But so stewardship is not just about money. Um, stewardship is also about our leadership, about our influence. And so if God's given us um, five talents, two talents, or one talent of leadership, we have to maximize that leadership. And so leadership is active. Leadership does something. Le- leadership leaves the cave and kills something and drags it home. That's what leadership does. So talking about action is not leadership. So for us, for this, since the kids were like, I mean, as early as, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight, we were talking about, you know, you go out to the playground and if there's a, if there's a conflict in the playground, you lead. You grab the two parties get them together, say, how'd this make you feel? How'd this make you feel? Shake it out. Let's go. You be the leader. So we just kind of taught leadership from the beginning and, and leadership is active. And so whenever it comes to a mission or a missions trip or a local outreach or a cause, we're just always like, hey, how do you steward? God's given you the gift to leader, to be a leader. You've got, uh, you've got some uh, intelligence about you. You've got some wit about you. You've got some uh, people skills about you. And now you have to lead with that. And uh, if you don't, you're not being a good steward of all those things that, that God's given. That. That's a it's a great principle overall. It's just le- teaching our kids how how to be leaders, and even in tough situations, or you know whether it's leading differently a life that is of stewardship and generosity, and all those things. So many great just nuggets of wisdom here. Yeah, uh, we have one last question um, for today, and this is kind of one we just ask at the end, Pastor Chris. Because we want to give our parents who are listening just something really tangible, like maybe they haven't really thought about this at all in their family. Um, Just something, if they turn this podcast off today and they're like, I love this idea. I really want to start this in my home, in my family. What are just some things, maybe even one or two things they can do starting right now, this Christmas season, today, whatever that looks like in their home that can inspire their family to be generous? Um, I think um, this, especially this middle school and high school generation that's, that's uh, around today is um, repulsed by anything that's not authentic. And they are magnetically attracted to uh, genuine, authentic, real, raw, um, and so wherever a parent is right now, they're listening and they're like, I, man, I'm a, I'm a nine out of 10 or I'm a six out of 10 when it comes to all these things. Or maybe you're listening and you're like, man, we've missed it. I'm really good at some other things, but we have missed it on this concept. We're a two out of 10. I think you sit down as a family and you say, Hey, we really lament. We really, um, we, uh, we've, we've missed it in this area and just be honest. And here's the steps we want to take as a church. I mean, as a church, as a family, and like pull pull them in on it, on the wrestle, and just be real. The, the the amount of respect you'll earn from a middle schooler and high schooler, because you just were a, a man enough, you're a woman enough, you're a couple enough to say, you know what, we could grow in this area. What you're doing is you're teaching them humility. 
What you're teaching them is surrender. What you're teaching them is that you're willing to grow. What you're teaching them is um, 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 self-awareness. Um, and you're teaching them intentionality. Um, and you're teaching them so many things in your weakness. We got to remember that people are impressed by our strengths, but they're impacted and influenced by our weaknesses. So if it's a weakness for you, that might be where you lead out. If you're already a nine out of 10, just bring them in on the journey. Hey, here's some of the things that we do in a non-bragatory, prideful way. But here's some things that we do as a family. And I thought that you're old enough now as a 14-year-old or 16-year-old or 17-year-old. I'd love to tell you what's worked for us and um, how we navigate finances and uh, with the Lord and, and how we're intentionally generous. We would love for us not just to pass an inheritance to you of money. We want to pass an inheritance of legacy, an inheritance of character, an inheritance of generosity to the next generation. Love it. That is that is gold. Thank you, Pastor Chris, so much for being here today. I know I've learned a few things. I don't know yeah. about you guys, but I'm, I've taken yeah. some some no. notes over here too. Thank you. We are so thankful for you, and we are so excited to have you here with us for Uprise. We cannot wait. Uh, please tell your family hello from us. Yeah. See y'all. Thank you so much. Thank you, parents, for listening. We hope you guys have a very Merry Christmas, and we will be back in January for Happy New Year. Bye.